Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. There is cutting, you know, red tape, and then I think there's just craziness that will further hurt uh, those who are the most vulnerable. You know, we know that the Ford government is, they have to. I mean, there's no choice. They've got to look at ways to trim the fat. And one of the areas will be health care. And Ontario's long-term care homes are pressing the Ford government to cut what they see as fat in long-term care. And these groups are suggesting that the Ford government rid of the mandatory annual inspections of long-term care homes. Because they say they had nothing but stress to an already stressed sector. Well, <laughs> I didn't like this headline when I saw it. I think it'd be a big, big mistake because there is no question there can be fat trimmed. And yeah, we can cut back on paperwork and bureaucracy, but I would find it very troubling that we would get rid of what I think what little oversight we have in places where we know that there are issues of things like elder abuse, neglect. And may I remind you what Elizabeth Wetlofer managed to get away with? I mean, really? We want to get rid of oversight? Maybe I got this wrong, but it certainly uh, raised my eyebrow. Let's bring in Jade Medes to this conversation because she spends her life fighting for the elderly. She is uh, with the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. Good to have you, Jane. Good evening, uh, Alex. Do I have this headline right that these this group of homes, they want to, they're, they're essentially, they want less work, correct? Well, I, I think they uh, feel that they spend too much time preparing for uh, inspections. I don't buy it, but that's, that's what they feel. Um, I agree with you. I think that there is uh, a lot of duplication around some of the paperwork, and some of the paperwork can be uh, made shorter. Um, but I don't believe that getting rid of the annual inspections is um, one of the things that the government should be doing. No. In fact, I would think that they'd be going the opposite way because certainly unless you've had an elderly person in long-term care, I just went through it with my stepfather, it, it is it is something that I was shocked by some of the things that I saw. And then when I heard there's only one inspection required yearly, I thought, how is that even possible that we only do one inspection a year? Yeah. And that's, you know, and, it, and you know, we're lucky to have that. I mean, there's many provinces that probably don't even do that. Um, and it's it's sad because that is what keeps the homes uh, in compliance with the legislation. They talk a lot about how many regulations there are. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to be looking to see if they're in compliance with those things. And really the only way to do that is to have these annual inspections. Complaint inspections don't or critical incident inspections. They look at different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your average person, for example, doesn't know what the drug routine is supposed to be. You know, how are the medication carts supposed to be managed? Those are all really important things, and those were things that came out of the uh, long-term care inquiry, um, where Justice Scalise heard a lot of testimony about issues relating to, you know, poor management of medication. That's not going to come out of the kind of inspections that happen for complaints, for example. And we need those government inspections to to ensure that those things are happening. 
Where are the big vulnerabilities still? I mean, look, you've got the private care that if you're lucky enough that you can actually afford to get a loved one into private care, um, which most can't afford. You know, where are the big vulnerabilities with the private care versus, let's say, the public care? Well, I mean, private care, I think you're talking about retirement homes. Yeah. And those are extremely expensive. They are not health care facilities. They don't have and nearly as much oversight as the long-term care homes, um, and it's all by contract. So mm-hmm. they are a very different animal. I mean, yes, you can you can always, you know, with if you have unlimited money, you can afford all sorts of things. Um, but for the average person, retirement homes are great for that person who requires some um, assistance, but not a huge amount. They are not private long-term care homes. They are a very different animal. And so where do you see the vulnerabilities that still exist and really shouldn't at this point in 2018, 2019? Well, I mean, part of the problem is that um, I would agree in the reports that both the OLTCA and Advantage Ontario put out um, in that there hasn't been enough forward-looking. Mm-hmm. So we don't have enough beds. That is where our critical problem is. Yeah is not enough beds. And the other thing is we don't um, support the staff, and I would agree with that. We don't have enough support for the staff. Um, We don't have enough staff in long-term care homes, so that's a money issue. Mm -hmm. And we don't make it a really great uh, employment opportunity. Uh, Again, at the inquiry, we heard lots of of people talking about the difficulty in getting um, staffing into long-term care, and part of that is because the hours aren't great, uh, the money is much less than, say, for the example, the hospital sector, and the work is much, much harder. So we need to make it an attractive place to work. Yeah, because it's extraordinarily hard work. I mean, you're dealing with people, many of whom would have a mental illness in either dementia or Alzheimer's. I mean, they can be very, very difficult to handle, especially if they're in there for a long time. So you're dealing with a lot of uh, health issues, uh, illnesses that can pop up and be very uh, detrimental to life. But there's just so much that they have on their plates. And I, and I get the sense with the paperwork, I get it. That is one area where I see the Ford government would, in fact, get rid of that red tape. Uh, But do you get the sense that this government is going to move in that direction? Because long-term care, this is an issue that was important to this government. They campaigned on um, a mental health strategy and and dealing with long-term care. I don't don't see them moving in the direction of less inspection. Um, Certainly, that's, I'm, I'm not getting that impression from the Ministry of Health. Um, it you know remains to be seen what might happen with the government, but um, obviously these groups are lobbying hard to get rid of that, and that's not a new thing. That's something that goes back many, many years. It goes back into when the new legislation came out in 2010. They did not want annual inspections, and for a while we didn't have them, and they were put back in um, by the, the uh, Liberal government um, because that was a promise that was made to the uh, you know, the residents and the families, mm-hmm. um, that was the promise they made to the province, that they would have those annual inspections. Yes, it's a complex system. Um, and I think what people really don't understand is that, you know, you were talking about putting a loved one in and what you saw. There are so many people in long-term care who don't have visitors, yeah. who don't have loved ones. So the only eyes that come in to see how they are are the inspectors. Right, which is a heartbreaking thought if you actually step back from it and think about it, because it's a very isolated place. If you're an elderly person, you have no one there, and so you're really re- you're reliant on the system to take care of you. And frankly, from what I've seen of the public care, and I'm not saying this to the frontline workers, it's 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 not just lacking. I mean, in this day and age in this country, with people living as long as they are, uh, we are failing them. We are failing elderly people. 
We absolutely are, and I think it's, again, it's more, we need more training. We meet, definitely need more people. The problem is that we don't have enough staff in the homes. I mean, if these are the expectations that they're to do these paperwork and all that, you need to have the right staffing in there. You can't say, oh, here's your staffing, and plus we're piling on another two hours a day of paperwork. I mean, that's obviously not fair to anyone. Um, so we really have to look at, you know, what is the staffing model? And, and we definitely need to fix that. Uh, that's very, very important. We need more staff in all long-term care homes across the province. And how do you do that then? I mean, you, you, did, you did suggest that it is hard to attract people to this industry. How, if you were uh, crafting the proper plan uh, to work towards making sure that those who are most vulnerable are protected in the system that we have, what would you be saying, here's how you should do it to get the very best care and oversight? Yeah, you need to make it a more attractive um, uh, employment. So you need to make the the wages and the benefits better. Um, you need to train people. For example, RNs don't want to go in this area, but they're not trained in the the nursing school. So you need to really bring in that training into nurses, nursing schools to make it an area that they want to work in. Well, you would think that. I mean, this is an opportunity to create a uh, new industry. Because we know that there's a huge need of, of elder care in, in this country as a whole because people are just simply living longer than we ever expected. Um, so we know that there's a need. And I'm just a little surprised that in this day and age, we don't have that yet. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's both the provincial as well yeah. as the federal governments really haven't done a very good job in that, you know, future planning on, you know, how are we going to take care of people? We've extended everyone's lives, but that means that more people, for example, get dementia. So how do we care for them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've closed a lot of facilities. So these homes are not only homes to, you know, very elderly seniors who are frail and have dementia. They are also homes to younger people with mental health issues, with physical issues. And, you know, frankly, I don't think that's the right thing. I don't think you should be mixing them together. Um, So we really need other things like supportive housing. Keep people out of long-term care. Keep them out of hospitals. Let's give the... Often we're throwing the money at the back end, right? So, you know, we're saying, oh, the person's in hospital. They're taking up a bed. You know, they're they're not going to long-term care. We need to do something about that. Well, let's try to prevent them from getting in the hospital in the first place. So let's give the care before they have to go in the hospital. People in the community are crying for care, and they're told, oh, we have to give it to the most needy, which is to get everyone out of hospital. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, you raised some interesting points there. Well, we'll see where this goes. I, I Look, I saw the headline. I thought, oh, gee, really? We're going to go this way? I don't think so. I think this would be a big, big misstep by this government if they went in that direction. I agree. Jane, I appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Jane Medes, uh, she is with the Advocacy Center for the Elderly, so she's watched this stuff. She follows this stuff. She knows this issue, and uh, yeah, not an area of cuts. You know where you can cut? Oh, yes, the bureaucracy. Because there's plenty of them. Here on Global News Radio, I'm Alex Pearson.